This is The Immigrant View, a podcast for immigrants by immigrants. Welcome to the show. The Immigrant View is brought to you by ImmigrantNetworks.com. Hello, everyone. It's a great pleasure being here with you again. Welcome back to The Immigrant View. So excited to be part of this um, uh, this, uh, this, this episode today. Uh, so this this is one of my boss, as as we would say in Nigeria. <laughs> one of my boss from back in the days. Uh, we knew each other as far back as let me see, was it 2012, 2013? Um, I think I brought you on radio. I don't yes, 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 yes. You did. You brought me on radio, brought me on uh, Radio Continental. <laughs> wow. So this is yeah, this is like 2013, 2014, then yeah. back then when you were with Microsoft. Yeah. And here we are. Eight years, nine years later, really doing amazing things. And I just thought it was, I mean, just following him online lately, I thought uh, his story would be something very inspiring for people to uh, to to uh, hear about. So, so Lushala, well, I'm sure in the U.S. they call him Olu. <laughs> Olushala Abuso, a.k.a. Olu. He's the co-founder and CEO at Vespi. He's building legal and financial technology software that simplifies the journey and transition of immigrants from 131 countries to North America and Europe. Okay, so we're adding Canada to this, right? No, yes, we are. We are. <laughs> know. Interesting. Funny enough, for some reason, I just thought it was just the U.S. And here we are expanding beyond that. Okay, it's good. It even worked out well. He's a two-time founder. He moved to the U.S. to build a software talent marketplace for AI talent. I saw the hardship immigrants face and the lack of financial inclusion for immigrants. So rather than complain about it, he did something about it, which is uh, which is really, really exciting. Originally trained as a software engineer, he has a master's in CS and focused on cybersecurity. Um I don't even know what that means, but it's all the fancy schmancy stuff. But ladies and gentlemen, please join me to welcome Olu Amazon. Okay. I, I, we used to call you Alishala, or Shala rather, but yeah. uh, it's good to have you, man. Welcome. Same here. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Nice having everyone what, listening from everywhere all over. It's exciting, exciting to make this connection again and just, uh, you know, connect the dots backwards, as Steve Jobs would say. So really nice to be here. That is good. So to tell us your tell us your story. You moved to the U.S. I don't know when you moved. Uh, we sort of lost touch um, probably like 2015 or so, but after I left in 2016. So uh, when did you move to the U.S.? What was the story like? You said you saw immigrants, uh, the challenges that they were facing. It would be great to just hear things from your perspective. Yeah, so I, 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 of course, many of us growing up in Nigeria, massive influence of the West on our education, on our entertainment, everything from Hollywood. So yeah, the US has been quite on the radar. 2010, I won this award called the Student Entrepreneur Awards in college, just as I was leaving college. And, you know, this particular award, I was supposed to come take it in Kansas in the United States but I didn't even get a U.S. visa. So you see, massive connection between what I'm doing now and what happened to me then. It was until five years later when someone else won the award and I went to coach the person that I would eventually come to the United States. So when I came to D.C. in 2015, of course, I had a connection to like the system. I felt like, okay, this is great. Came back again the following year, 2016, 
But all the while, I was just still looking at, okay, what would be the, you know, best opportunity, you know, to continue to come to the U.S. and maybe stay here for an extended period of time, you know. And then I went back to Nigeria. I was working with an American company, made the connection even more stronger to the U.S. So everything we were doing was either in Redmond, Seattle, or Ignite in Vegas and all of those things, like, you know, although I was covering Middle East Africa within the larger philanthropy group, you know, but I had this massive connection with the United States. And eventually, after spending five years at Microsoft, you know, it seemed like it was time to do something else. Uh, a year prior, I incorporated a company, you know, that focused on data and AI, you know, in the emergence of, you know, Microsoft Cloud and all of that. And I felt the best place to actually take that idea to its maximum potential will be in the United States. So I wanted to move as I left Microsoft to the US to expand that company, that Coven, Coven Labs, which is basically an AI education company, you know, and, and that was it, that was it. I incorporated the company a year later, I learned about this O1 visa, which is a pathway for extraordinary talent that I could essentially use the company that I had incorporated in the US to employ myself and file for myself as an employee to come to the United States, information is indeed power. So Fantastic. I moved from this visiting visa holder to someone who then, you know, got into the U.S. as a worker, an employee, an immigrant worker under the company that I had created a couple of years prior. So I left Microsoft, moved into the U.S. and started building Coven Labs, running trainings across the U.S. and helping to make connections for African software talents. So Silicon Valley companies, especially those ones that were proficient in machine learning and data science, which is really a niche, you know, company. And, and that, that fared well up until COVID came, you know, and there was a lot of disruption here and there. In-class sessions couldn't hold any longer and all of that. Then, of course, that time also gave enough time to have free time to advise people about moving abroad. So I had this Telegram group with 7,000 people you know, at some point, and people were just asking questions about how to move to Canada, how to move to the US. I would invite some of my friends who have moved to Canada to come and share information. I would share information about the US, find some of the old schoolmates that are on sponsored PhD programs in the United States and have them share information. Then very quickly, we got weary of just answering the same questions over and over again. So I thought, okay, what am I a software major for? So we built the very first version of the software to provide information and community for mm -hmm. people. So we didn't have to answer the questions over and over again. And we could just deploy it, say, okay, just download the app and read more about the Canada Express Entry Visa using that app. And it's more succinct, written in plain English, more, much more simpler than complex you know, data you'd find on government websites where they're trying to just answer all questions. You know, and that's how it started. And a few of these folks will say, Help me pay for West. Help me pay for service fee. Help me pay for IRCC fees. Uh, and then we're using our banks. And we saw how dangerous that could be because now we're helping people we didn't know to make payments and all of that. So we said, okay, why don't we add a payment component to this application? So the app evolved from just providing information to helping with payments. And then people will pay in Naira and then we'll remit it in USD. Then we realized it was even more stressful to help people pay for West because they paid us Naira and all of that. So, okay, why don't we create a service that allows them to create virtual cards, dollar cards, but that supports immigration? So we started looking for ways to make sure that, that the, banking, the banking partners approved us specifically for that use case of immigration. Now that platform has evolved from just 
providing information and uh, payment remittances to now doing a lot more, you know, banking experience, loans and all of that. And it seems like there's just a huge world out there for for immigrants, you know, and a lot of people are asking us to layer mortgage, taxes, everything else that sort of like helps people to like settle in when they arrive in a new country. So that's how I slightly took a detour from AI and cybersecurity to come and do fintech, you know, in the mm. meantime, you know, mm. and you know, see how much value we can create to continue to help, you know, people that look like us, immigrants from all over the world, you know, who, whether they look like us by color, they actually look at, look like us by experience because we moved from Singapore, as great a country as it is, to the United States and still face the same problem. People move from wow. first world countries. People actually move from UK and come to the US and face the same challenges that Nigerian immigrants face. You know, so mm. we saw that this mm. is not peculiar to people coming from Africa alone. You know, and that's mm. how we mm. come up to people from 131 countries, moving to North American countries in, uh, in the United States, Canada, and now even Europe. So yeah, it's been an exciting journey. I know that's a mouthful, but it's been an exciting journey. <laughs> That's why you're up to four a.m. doing all sorts of crazy work. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. That is awesome. What would you say, like, based on, you know, what you've seen and experienced with the new immigrants coming in, what advice do you usually give to people that are looking to just, you know, they want to come in, uh, be able to just hit the ground running and uh, be able to, should I say thrive in whatever field or industry that they're in? What advice do you usually give them? I usually start with the fact that choose a country with the understanding of the needs of that country, not just your own personal desire. Mm. So this is this is like some somehow you might assume, you might think it's far away from your question, but I'm going to trace it back because of the importance of it. So people okay. say I want to move to X Y Z country without thinking about what is the whether that country is truly a match for them you know moving to a new country is almost like choosing a spouse because i mean you you want to find out is this country deficient in something that i can provide because that's really the key to eating the ground running so when i was coming to the u.s i knew that ai and data science were like something that the u.s was still trying to even figure out like so you know china and some of the other countries are doing amazing work with you know, STEM, yet America was moving away from STEM, you know, so I figured that it was part of the agenda of the government and most, you know, technology multinationals, big tech, to invest back in technology education, you know, so Microsoft had invested a lot in our code, and Google was investing so much money in computer science week and uh, code.org, you know, I, I mean, there's just this massive investment, look at everything with OpenAI now, all that investment started around that five years ago when Elon Musk gave them money, Google gave them money, Microsoft gave them, everybody was giving them money because everybody wanted them to figure out those large language models, which has, which now power, you know, open AI and, and chat, chat GPT. You know, so I knew that that was it. I, I wasn't a, an AI major, a data science major. I did computer science, you know, in a very generic way. Computer science in Nigeria universities are super generic, not specific. Then I did a master's degree in cybersecurity that I had not even completed. Actually, it's a CS master's, except that my research area was cybersecurity. You couldn't even do cybersecurity master's just like that at the time. So my finding data science and AI was me stumbling on some research from Gartner 
you know, about how the U.S. has a deficiency of AI talent. So wow. the idea was very data-based. It was really data, it was based on data to say, hey, let us create talent from Africa that can serve this deficiency that the U.S. has. Many of these guys have turned out to be the kind of people who so easily find sponsorship for master's, PhD in the U.S. because they have some knowledge of data science, and that's what the U.S. is looking for. The same guys that get hired for medical informatics or for, uh, you know, uh, a special talent, you know, in the special talent visa category. So to hit the ground running, carry the carry a burden for what is deficient in the country you are going to, and now you can contribute to it. You will never have to worry about what you do for one more day because once you get there, you know what to do. So I got there and I was I started my AI training programs. You know, hosted a couple of events in downtown Dallas with industry, you know, partners like AT&T Data Science Group, uh, my Marcos, you know, Walmart Data Science Department. We had a panel. I was announcing my arrival with that event, you know, because I knew exactly what I had come to do. You know, so the same way, it's the same way in agriculture, food, finance, education, find out what part of these holistic fields are deficient so that you can carry the knowledge of what you have and then demonstrate it right there as soon as you get there. And it might not come as quick or as immediate for some people as it might be for others, you know, because of sometimes we might just be dealing with like the newcomer syndrome, imposter syndrome. You know, I wrote a book on AI within the first year that I got here and got like some futurists and some, uh, you know, PhDs in, in uh, artificial intelligence to actually chime in on it because I wanted to be sure that the same knowledge that I was carrying about AI consulting that I had helped banks with in Nigeria, I still had the same knowledge, you know, as soon as I got here. So there's always that feeling sometimes. So I'll give you another example. My co-founder is a lawyer, so he's an attorney. When he moved to the US a year before I moved here, he went on and said, of course, it's easier for people in professional fields like lawyers. Usually they won't abandon their law. So he just came here and said, picked up a master's degree in law, an LLM in law, and just went on to, to do that. So for him, he, he hit the ground running again. This is a US system where, you know, law is still quite, you know, lucrative. And then he picked a very unique aspect of law. He didn't know that. I was, he thought he was going to be a business lawyer. So in his LLM, he actually did, you know, LLM, you know, business law, did all the, you know, introduction to US law and all that, took some courses, some of their prerequisite courses and all of that. But he interned with an immigration firm, a family law firm. Mm. And that made the difference for him. So again, eating the ground running, knowing that there is a massive gap, he found out really quickly that there were cases, lots of them unanswered, piles of files all over the offices. A few times I visited him there, I'll just see like cases upon cases. Wow. You know? And that's how we got together to decide to say, I am a major in software. I have an understanding of fintech. I've worked, you have actually done programs for banks. I've, you know, I've seen people grow fintechs around me and all of that. That's how we basically made it, you know, a migration fintech, just off of the knowledge of that. You know, so in hitting the ground running, do the analysis before you leave. If you're already here, and it sounds like it's too late. Only what are you talking about? But I'm here now. Then you need to take a step backward and then look at what are they saying they really need. I was going to right. do an AI research on gun violence in the US, prevalence of gun violence. Definitely that is going to, so there's something in the US they call national interest waiver. If you do any research today on gun violence and the paper is published, 
you're qualified to get a national interest waiver green card. Why? Because wow. you're working on a very critical issue that is of wow. national interest. If you're an accountant and you come to the US and you design a system that allows the IRS to get more taxes from people, you're building something of national interest, right? You know, if you're trying to solve like food scarcity or shale oil fracking, you know, you know, or alternative energy sources or EVs, electronic vehicles, or data science, or cybersecurity, of counterterrorism with software, you are definitely of national interest. So set, wow. set a step backward, look at what is of national interest, look at what is deficient, and begin to see ways to provide solutions to it. Man, you have opened up a, a floodgate for people that are listening. This is a, really inspiring stuff. How can people overcome that sense of, um, and I've heard it from different people before, you know, ah, you know, I'm just, a, I mean, I'm just glad I'm here. I'm just in Nigeria. Let me just find one small job. May I just manage myself or whatever it is that people like to say um, uh, in, in their minds. Uh, and um, for you, you arrive and you're meeting with Walmart and all these big companies. Where is that mindset? How do you get that? And how can people build up to that mental level? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, I'm going to start with the fact that in recent years, just observing life a little more has helped me to be, to be able to understand that there is a lot of humility in accepting that not everybody is made to like want to, you know, just, uh, you know, company, right. all of that. Yeah. I mean, before I used to think if you were not doing that, you're just not getting the best out of life, but it's not true. There's 7, 7 billion people on the planet, now 8 billion people on the planet. There are folks who, if Nigeria was a first world country where they were coming from, or if their own country was a first world country, they would probably not even explore moving out to, to see the world. They would have just maybe taken a simple, you know, civil service job, you know, be patriotic, do their work, live a good life, send their kids to school. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I mean, that's what I realized, you know. But for anybody who feels a yearning in the slightest form of it, you feel a yearning in you that there is something more. You've always like, you know, you, you know, feel you you feel you feel you feel underutilized. That that's what really took you on that journey. You felt like you had so much more to offer. You know, then my 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 advice to you will really be that you should take it one step at a time. Uh, take action. Like, don't be paralyzed by analysis to say this is what must happen. A friend of mine is new in the Dallas area senior friend of mine, great guy, you know, and he's having his first networking meeting as a coach next week, Saturday. And, you know, some folks, some of our other friends were like, why did he put it on a Saturday morning? Maybe he put it on Saturday afternoon, it'll be better. Maybe he put it on Saturday evening, it'll be better. Maybe he put it on Sunday morning. Oh, people in Dallas don't go out on Saturday morning. Everybody was analyzing all of that. And what I answered them with is, hey, look, if he does it on a Saturday morning and 19 people show up instead of 100, he would have learned that that's not how to do it. And the next one, he will try it on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday evening. And if he does it on a Saturday morning and 50 people come, and the remaining 50 people who didn't come, who registered but didn't show up, see the pictures of the event, they're going to think about it the next time. Okay. But if he sits at home and analyzes it for all I care for several months, then nothing will happen. So if you are listening to this right now, yours is to organize a networking event, 
Yours is to write that first letter to your mentor of seven years who didn't know that you have now arrived in Canada or in the US. Take that action. Pick up that pen, write that letter, write that email, tell them you have arrived, tell them you are here now. This is what you're trying to do. A year before I moved to the US, I spoke to a mentor about moving to Microsoft in Redmond. And he said, go get a visa, go get a work visa, because every other person we're trying to file for, we've not even been able to get them across in five, six years. So I don't know for how long it would take if you're waiting for the company to file for you. Why don't you find mm -hmm. your way to get here? And when I did eventually found my way and got here, I wrote him a note to say, hey, I'm here now. I'm here now. So now I need that job. Unfortunately, wow. I moved to another company, moved to code.org at the time. But he remained a mentor, a pillar of support, wrote me a bunch of recommendations. And when it was time, a year later, that I was going to join Microsoft again for an, a very brief assignment, it was in that a reference checked, you know, and mm -hmm. said, hey, do you know this guy? He worked with you before. The reference checked him and said, oh, yes, he's been in touch. Great guy. In fact, when I wrote my book on AI, I shipped a copy to him, you know, and stuff like that. So it's really about, like, taking that first action. Don't be paralyzed. If you feel like there is something you should be doing, walk up to that person's office. I'll give you an example of another mentor of mine. The moment he moved to the city of Plano, he took his bag one morning, went to the mayor's office and said, I just came to announce that I have arrived. You know, that's ridiculous. Like, who are you? Say, well, I'm an outstanding professional from my country. This is what I do, this is what I do, this is what I do. And I feel like I shouldn't arrive in a new community without talking to the folks who are here. And they're like, oh yeah, we, we, don't, we don't really see immigrants come to do this. But okay, this, we have this program, we have this program, we have that program. This is the brochure, you know, and now he has the personal contact of the mayor. You know, and that's how you continue. Then he engaged in his community. They had this fundraiser, you know, he supported. When they gave his own beat in the fundraiser, those things are very crucial. It could be $100. Could Do you know what's interesting? <laughs> oh, no, as you're sharing this story, when I first moved to Kitchen, I did the same thing. I sent a message to the mayor that I wanted to meet him. Exactly. I met with him and I said, I want to run for office in the future. <laughs> and that was literally five, six years ago. And we became close friends. You know, and now we work together. So it's quite interesting that you share that right? story. So we need to, these are things that don't, they don't really cost you much. But yes, most times it doesn't occur naturally. And we must admit that it doesn't occur naturally to everybody. So this, this is the reason why we're having this podcast for people to know that, oh, this is actually possible. I can write out these notes. I can go out to go meet this person. I can join the Chamber of Commerce in my community. You know, I can join, I can volunteer for the school board. You know, I can ask them, what's the requirement for running for council? I can find out who is running so I can join his team to support him and use that process to learn. Especially, as we said, if you feel a nudge to that, if you feel a nudge in you that tells you that you are here for something bigger, you're here for something more, you definitely should do that. If you're here for something else, you're just here to live a great life, get good health insurance, good social security, be a law abiding person. I want to tell you today that there's nothing wrong with that as well. And that is a good thing too. <laughs> Fantastic, man. This has been awesome. If anybody wants to reach, um, by the way, the website, first of all, is vesti.com. Vesti.com. Well, actually, it also said app.wevesti.com. Yeah, so the app itself, yeah. But essentially, app.wevesti.com is the app. Wevested.com, you can still get that to like get started. But to keep it simple, we just say wevested.com, W-E-V-E-S-T-I.com. And if anybody wants to reach out to you to ask questions, learn more, anything, connect, 
um, ask you to be their mentor, whatever it is, how can they reach out to you? Definitely, I give a very open door policy. Send me an email at olu at weavesty.com if you want to learn more about how to establish yourself as an immigrant, you know, who is performing, who is just a global citizen that is contributing to their community and just fulfilling their potential. Definitely, if you are listening to this from a country where you haven't really made a decision on where to go and you want to learn about pathways, send me an email at olu at weavesty.com. We have a product called Pathways that basically helps people to decide which country is better for them, you know, and eventually get the help they need to be able to transition to that country. Fantastic. Man, it's been a pleasure having you. This is inspiring. Thank you for your words, your inspiration, and all the amazing work. You're, you're making us all proud. What's no, you, you, are, you are. You are the one. You are the one that we're using as examples to say, come on, look at that. He did not wait one day. The moment he was qualified to run for office, he ran for office. That's what I'm talking about. Like I tell folks here, I'm like, you know, if I'm going to go for Congress or something like, you know, let's say in 10 years, what I should be thinking about, because for the U.S., some of us who are, you know, from the journey from residency is still about four or five years to citizenship, you know, don't wait for that time to happen. Go do all the things that you can do as a resident now, which is like volunteering for the city council, you know, contributing to somebody's campaign, being on the team of social person. Don't pose yourself as a citizen, don't get in trouble, but do all the things that you can do as a lawful, abiding, permanent resident. Now, when you do that, you've caught your journey into ALF. By the time you become a citizen, the journey to running, it seems like I have the playbook, even though I don't know if I'm going to use it. But then when you start that journey to say you want to run for Congress, even if it's, imagine at year nine, you're able to say nine years ago or 10 years ago, they already know you in that community. You know, yeah. they already know you in that environment. You're doing that work there. You have a property there. You buy land there which is extremely important. Buy land, extremely important. We say this to every single person, even immigrants that move to Nigeria, they're buying land. I tell people that Chinese people, Americans, you know, they have interest all over the country, you know, planting food, doing all of that. That's really the nature of humans. We're nomadic. None of us was born in this, you know, place where we found ourselves today. Our, our, yeah. our forefathers moved from all parts of the world to different parts of the world. So yeah, that's really the journey. And I hope that you know, people take advantage of, of, of these things. It's really exciting to have this chat with you today. And we're so proud of the work you're doing, by the way. Thank you, man. It's It's been a pleasure. I really, really appreciate it. Man, I hope we don't chat again after another five, six years or something. Man. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. Definitely. <laughs> I'm going to want to get on that, you know, government entourage and, you know, coming in to see you and when I'm in Canada. I just <laughs> say, I'm, I'm meeting with the councilman today. <laughs> No oh, it's not that serious. Bigger things ahead. Really excited for what you're doing. And hopefully, let's, let's stay in touch. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Why don't you do us a favor and share this podcast with a friend or colleague? The Immigrant View is brought to you by ImmigrantsNetworks.com. Hi, I'm Nick Narani, founder and CEO of Immigrant Networks. Listen, if you're an immigrant or an international student, Looking to find a job and expand your network in Canada? Immigrant Networks is for you. Immigrant Networks, we say, networking to get working. It is a community built by immigrants just like you to help you overcome one of the biggest challenges that immigrants have when they come here, and that is finding and retaining a job. 
visit our website today and get matched within days with someone from your profession and learn and grow immigrant networks networking to get working music provided by bensound.com